welcome to Ink and Impact, the podcast for Christian writers who want to impact their readers. I'm your host, Daylene Bickle, and each week I'll help you keep a pulse on the publishing industry, showcase Christian authors and their books, and share ways you can improve your craft and magnify your message. Whether you're a fiction or nonfiction writer, traditionally or indie published, established or just starting out, this podcast is for you. Today, we are talking about publishing and platform pitfalls. It's really not going to be as doom and gloom as the title appears. I promise there's going to be a lot of practical things in here as well, but let's dive in. As writers, we know we need to build a platform. This term has been around for a number of years now and can be defined as the number of people who are willing and able to purchase your book. In theory, the more people you have on your email list and the more followers you have on social media, the better chances that your book will sell well. As we all know, however, not every subscriber or follower will buy your book as much as we would like that to be the case. We need to engage with these people to establish the know, like, and trust factor so that when our new book comes out, they're eager to not only buy it, but just as importantly, recommend it to their friends and family. It makes sense and sounds great, this platform building, but it takes work. Lots of consistent, continual work. That is why many authors get frustrated. They want to write a book and spend their time on the content, making it quality, right? Not work as a marketer. Yet when you sign up to write a book, you instantly become a business owner, whether you like it or not. And as with any business, you have to let people know about it. It's not surprising then that traditional publishers require their authors to have an established platform before they commit to publishing their books. After all, publishers have a lot of skin in the game. They're paying you in advance, plus they're covering the cost of editing, design work, and the printing. They need to recover their costs before they ever begin to pay you your royalties, which of course you want as well. So it makes sense that traditional publishers require authors to have a platform in that regard. But the issue that arises is the level of platform required. To be blunt, unless you're a celebrity, a politician, or an athlete with immense numbers of followers, it's very difficult to get a contract with one of the top traditional publishers. As can be expected, smaller publishers require smaller platforms, but even the least well-known hybrid publishers require a platform of some sort. This is true with Christian publishers as well, which leads to the issue of profit versus content. I recently read an excellent article by Christianity Today. It was written by Colin Huber that addresses this topic. And the title and lead state In Christian publishing, platform is being weighed and found wanting. Favoring big-name authors and influencers might be good for the bottom line, but not always for the books and readers themselves. Huber goes on to say that there's, quote, a tendency among publishers to evaluate prospective authors on the basis of their influence and not necessarily on the quality of their work. It undermines the mission of making good, Christ-honoring books, end quote. I agree. He concludes his article by saying, quote, printing books readers want to buy may lead to a profitable business, 
but it may do little care for their souls. With an elevated vision and sacrificial commitment, Christian publishers have an enviable opportunity to serve readers with books that truly nourish their hearts and minds. May it be so, end quote. Amen. Indeed, may it be so. While we as individual authors may not be able to directly sway the publishing industry's decision-making in this regard, we absolutely can control our own decision-making. The point of sharing this information isn't so we become cynical and overly critical of the publishing industry, but rather to be aware of industry trends so we can pray for God's guidance, adapt appropriately, and hone in on our strengths to accomplish what's required. Platform building isn't going to go away. We can't you know, stick our heads in the sand and hide ourselves away as we write and then expect everyone to somehow know about it and seek us out begging for our book when it's complete. As much as we would like that to happen, it just won't. No, we have to actively build an engaged audience by playing to our strengths and bandwidth. So for example, if you enjoy social media, by all means, focus on building your platform there. If you don't enjoy social media, but you do thrive on public speaking, focus on speaking to groups that align with your content in person or virtually. Pitch yourself as a podcast guest. There are lots of ways to speak. If that's not your forte and writing is really what you are passionate about, create a blog and pitch articles on topics related to your niche to various publications. Focus on what gives you joy and puts your book's message in front of the right audience. Only you can answer that. And don't feel pressured to do everything all at once. For example, if your focus is going to be on social media, don't try to actively maintain five different social accounts like Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, and Pinterest. Just pick one, maybe two, but focus on one at a time and gain traction and momentum there before trying to add anything else. Because believe me, you will save yourself a lot of frustration and time if you just focus on one. Remember, the key is to create engaged followers, not just a high number of followers, and then to convert them into email subscribers. Your email list is where the book sales happen. And that's another topic for another day. I won't go into the weeds with that. But just know that your email list is vital to your author career. Switching to a different yet related topic here. If you look closely at many of the top selling indie authors, you'll notice that a large percentage of their sales come from ebooks. This is one format that offers immense flexibility and return on your investment, that ROI that you hear all about. They're immediately available after purchase. Ebooks are easy to distribute to your readers. They're easy to update and make corrections after publication. That's key. And they enable you to enter book promotions on sites like BookFunnel and BookBub that get your stories into the hands of new readers, which is what we're always looking for, right? Building that platform means getting our books and our brand in front of new readers all the time. So unless you're writing a journal or a workbook that typically needs that hard paper to write on, um, because a lot of people don't want to print off a 200-page workbook, right, or journal from their home printer, they prefer to buy those print or hardcover copies. So unless you are writing a journal or a workbook, you should seriously consider adding ebooks to your book repertoire. 
And yet for traditionalists like me, paperbacks are still the gold standard. When you say you've written a book, that's I think what most people envision is holding a copy of a book in their hand. And print books, whether paperback or hardcover, need shelf space, particularly in bookstores. Which leads me to the next article I want to highlight that I found, and it's What Can We Learn from Barnes & Noble's Surprising Turnaround by Ted Goya. Hopefully I'm pronouncing his name correctly. So when Barnes & Noble placed James Daunt in charge of their company a few years ago, they were on the brink of collapse. I don't know if you remember all the brick and mortar stores that were going out of business, started even before COVID, that then during COVID, they just were falling like dominoes. But Daunt was a man with a long track record of successfully owning, growing, and saving bookstores. And so Barnes & Noble hired him, and he actually did turn Barnes & Noble around too. How? Well, not by adhering to any of the trending tactics that had been working for decades in bookstores. According to Goya's article, Daunt basically succeeded by going against all of the long-established practices. And I quote, For a start, Daunt refused to discount his books and stopped all the buy two books and get one free promotions, claiming that when you give something away for free, it devalues it. Furthermore, he refused to take any promotional money from publishers. End quote. Goya concludes by stating, but the key element is putting books and readers first and everything else second. End quote. I believe this is solid advice for authors as well. Make writing your book and engaging with your existing readers and followers your top priority. If you're writing a quality book, those loyal readers, no matter how many or few you have, will help grow your following through word of mouth recommendations. Don't worry about growing fast. Grow faithfully. Focus on honoring God in all your actions and trust him to bring your book to just the right readers at just the right time. Plus, you no longer have to rely on traditional publishing companies if you don't want to, secular or Christian, to get your book into the hands of your readers. Self-publishing, also known as indie publishing, has come a long way from its humble beginnings in the mid-1990s. Today's quality can be every bit as good as a traditionally published book. Plus, self-publishing allows you to stay true to your mission of writing books that care for the reader's soul and control when and how you market your book. If you would like help with either of the writing or self-publishing phase of your book project, feel free to reach out to me. You can learn more about my services at dailyandbickle.com services. If you would like to jumpstart your chances at getting published traditionally, you might consider entering one of the following three writing contests that I came across within the last week. One of them in particular is coming up very, very quickly, so you'll want to act on it soon if you have a near-finished manuscript. So the first one I'm going to mention is for all my friends in Canada. I have a number of listeners in Canada, so thank you for tuning in, and here is an opportunity for you. It's called The Word Awards, and I'm reading from their website. The Word Awards recognizes the work of Canadian writers who are Christian. Our awards program exists to encourage writers and recognize their accomplishments over the past year. Through judges' critiques, writers can hone their skills. Being a finalist or a winner in a category encourages writers in their journey and also gives them promotional opportunities. Together, we are on a path to make Christian writing in Canada the very best it can be. The next two contests I discovered on Hope Clark's fabulous newsletter, Funds for Writers, 
And the first one, I think we're all familiar with Writer's Digest, more of a secular audience, writes for everybody. Whereas the past contest was specifically for Christian writers, this contest is for anyone. And it's the Writer's Digest Annual Writing Competition. There is a fee to enter, and the deadline is May 5th. But I'm going to read from their description here. One grand prize winner will receive $5,000, an interview with them in Writer's Digest in their November-December 2023 issue, a paid trip to the Writer's Digest annual conference, including a special trophy presentation at the keynote, a coveted pitch slam slot, that's a tongue twister, a coveted pitch slam slot at the Writer's Digest conference where the winner will receive one-on-one attention from editors or agents and publication of their winning piece on writersdigest.com. There are some more details there, especially outlining what genre they're looking for. I will have all the links for all these contests and all the details, deadlines, and so forth, and entry fees on the website, inkandimpact.com. You'll be able to find those there. The third and final contest is for veterans. So it's the Veterans Writing Award. There is no entry fee for this one, but this is the one that's coming up very, very quickly. Deadline is February 15th. So that's what next week, if you're listening to this as I first air this. And I'm reading from their description. We invite unpublished full-length manuscripts for consideration. The award is open to U.S. veterans and active duty personnel in any branch of the U.S. military and their immediate family members. This includes spouses, domestic partners, siblings, parents, and children. The award includes $1,000 and a publication contract with Syracuse University Press. It goes on to, again, give a few more details and what they're looking for, what genre, that kind of thing. I hope that you will take advantage of those if being traditionally published is on your bucket list and your goal. Before we leave, I want to make sure that you are aware of the Inkwell Collective. This is a brand new membership community where Christian writers gather virtually to write, build their faith, establish meaningful connections, and get their book-related questions answered. It all started a couple of years ago um, with just the Inkwell, and we would meet uh, via Zoom, and once a week we would gather and write virtually together on our respective projects. And it has grown over the years. It's been such a blessing. And so we are in need of additional opportunities to connect and engage. And this is the new community that has been born out of that initial equal. So I encourage you to check it out over on the Inkwell Collective waitlist. It's going to launch next week. So go ahead and sign up now. If you're just listening to this when it's airing, it's not quite launched yet. Maybe you're listening to this later and it's already launched. Either way, I would love to have you join us. It's really just a great place to just connect and get the accountability and productivity you need for your book project. Did I mention it's not on social media? Yeah, you don't have to join another Facebook group. So it's just a fabulous way for everything to be housed all there in one spot. Be sure to check that out. Also, didn't want to end before I announced the winner. If you listened to last week's episode, you know it was the kickoff for season two of the Ink and Impact podcast. And I was doing a giveaway with my book, The One Year Collection of Weekly Writing Prompts. I thank all of you for participating. Those of you who shared about the Ink and Impact podcast on social media, I appreciate you spreading the word. That is the best thing ever. If you ever want to help a podcast grow, yeah, reviews and ratings are nice. 
But what really helps a podcast grow is whenever you talk about it with your friends and fellow writers. So thank you for that. And the winner of that book, which I will be mailing out later this week, is Melissa Pickens. So thank you, Melissa. I hope that you enjoy your book. All right, that is it for today, my friends. Thank you so much for tuning in again. I can't wait to come back with another episode next week. Until then, God bless. That's it for today, fellow pen pusher. Remember, don't just write a book, make an impact.